Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you know who it is. It's the big guy with the big show, the Lord. The pause. Nelson, that is. Hallelujah. <laughs> From the podcast Live and Loud with the Lord on the CMS Network with five Royals Entertainment. And ladies and gentlemen, I have another special guest. And like always, you know, I do my my digging into who they are. And, and then, you know, I write up a little something and I got to speak it and just big them up and let them know how much respect I have for them because I'm so thankful to have them on the show. So I will go into it like this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my great run of amazing Australian musicians continues with a musician that is multi-talented in the genres of rock and roll, R&B, blues, soul, and the most elegant jazz standards that rivals the music and voices of the jazz greats we love and cherish, bar none. Bar none, ladies and gentlemen. To hear him sing and play is such an enjoyable watch and listen, captivating your ears and mental with beautiful sounds that you may say is like Calgon because they truly take you away. Hi, <laughs> Yes, indeed. I am honored to have this incredible musician bless my show with his greatness. And without further ado, I welcome for you to the live and loud with the Lord show, the unbelievably talented Daryl Aberhart. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, welcome. I mean, hey, man, brother, thank you for having me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just feel like that was the most beautiful, uh, that was the most beautiful, like, introduction slash love shower that anyone's <laughs> ever given me. So thank you. It was just warm in my heart the entire time. Like, because I'm terrible at, at saying that, it's like one of the things that I'm worst at is like, in myself and saying hey i'm not too bad at this even you know right. and and you know it's it's always effort to hear someone just say nice things about you because i never say them about myself if that makes sense no no <laughs> so I, yeah, I, thank you so much for that intro and, and even just taking the time to talk to me man it it's uh, lovely on, man you know? listen this is this is really good for me i want you to know that and as we go through you'll see that and um you know when i when i write up these things and i like to do an intro for every guest and i really dig into what they're doing I dive into their music. I dive into whatever it is that they're doing and their expertise, and I just want to enjoy it. So, you know, I got with your music, and I and I listened to it, and and I was just like, okay, this guy right here is a special one. So that's why I reached out to you, man, and, you know, I'm really thankful oh, man, for you being so here. So, you know, everything I say is the truth because the Lord doesn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yes, indeed. So my first question always is, where are you from, young man? Okay, I'm uh, born in, and raised in Australia. I was born in a little regional town called Musbrook, which is in the New South Western part of um, New South Wales, so stayed on the east coast, and um, I've spent most of my life in New South Wales, pretty much. So I was, you know, born and raised here, grew up sort of here, and ended up, you know, in Sydney for a while when I was studying. But now I'm back in Newcastle, of um, Sydney. It's a really lovely little town, about an hour and a half north of Sydney, and um, yeah regional town but it's got a great lot of beaches and it's a nice place to you know hang out and you know have a family and, and you know just be really out of the out of the rat race of a big city you know got to me in the, in the end i had to get out <laughs> yes indeed so you spent time in sydney and um i had yeah, a, yeah, i yeah. had a large mirage uh they were on so they're from like what the blue mountains um oh yep Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we had a good, and then I had Sun Eden on, and they're from uh, Melbourne. Uh, and so, 
Just, oh, cool, just, cool. Yeah, just great conversation. Melvin's great, great man. Yeah, so that, they, they told me. So great. We had another, listen, great conversations with them. So I knew that this was going to be another great conversation. So I'm telling you, I was excited. I, I checked out some. That was the funk band from uh, Melbourne, wasn't yes, it? That you did. Yes. Yes. Funky band from Melbourne. I checked a bit of that cast out, man. Yeah, yeah. they're group, really groovy. They, they, they really yeah. are, man. Yeah, Nothing but love for them. So, so New South Wales. So, what's the best thing about being from there? Yes. Um, uh, I don't know. It's just a a nice, you know. I, I think every state anywhere, like you could ask that question about any state in the U.S., and you kind of a different answer. You know what I mean? Like it's just, mm-hmm. oh, it's just where I am. I, I, I like it. I'm close to. To beaches, mountains, you know, like geographically, lots of different places I can go inland, outland, and I just sort of like it's a little bit more relaxed, just right. north of the the city and in New South Wales, you know, like we just we got a lot, a lot of nice places to go. Like if you're into nature and things, we've still got lots of nice mountain range parks, and you know, my wife and I love to go camping as often as we can and get out into it, you know, simply as we can. And it's great being able to still do that, you know, like not feeling like. You know, we've got, as you know, probably Australia, you know, the tyranny of distance is a a term that is very apt for us. Like we've got such a little tiny things with such a broad swathe of like nothing in in the middle of it. So everything seems to be, you know, population wise uh, concentrated. But yeah, it's a it's just a it's a lovely state. But so is every every state. If you're enjoying it and and find the things that you love about it, you know, indeed, I'm sure you're the same with your state. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, man, there's all these things I love, I love about it. And nature, I think it, we've still got a lot of national parks and and things to get out. And I find that that's really important for me. Like even if I can get somewhere that's got like no phone reception, so I literally have to stay off my phone. I like those kind of breaks because it's like good for a part of your brain that's hyper connected right. to be able to switch a bit. So I guess yeah. Being able to get out in nature and switch off, man, is a is a good thing with base in the parks we got around here. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like like nature. I enjoy like I like to go fishing and uh, you know, usually just bass fishing. And, yeah, and so yeah, you know, I get with my son and I or some of my friends and we just go out there and just have such peace of mind. And uh, it's just a beautiful. That's thing. great there's fishing, like, isn't it? Yeah. There's nothing like enjoying nature, man. It, it's, you guys, be amazing. you guys that have like catfish down there too, wouldn't you? Like they're fun to. <laughs> yeah, so like so when I was when I was fishing stuff, man. Yeah, when I was younger, I fished for a lot of catfish and like bluegill and brim and stuff like that. But as I got older, you know, I just started yeah, fishing yeah. more like for just bass and and I let them go. You know, I'm a catch and release guy now, so I, it's mm-hmm. just for the fun of it. Yeah. You know? But yes, indeed. So my my wife is from Mississippi. Oh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So my wife is from Mississippi, right. and they're and they're known for like their catfish farms and all those kind of things like that. Mm. So. Yes, indeed, man. So there's, there's, yeah, there's nothing yeah. like enjoying that and and just nature. Uh, I was just talking with a good friend of mine this well, man, morning. Man, if I ever go, if we go over there, get over to you. We'll um, we'll have to, you'll have to take me to your favorite little bass spots because I man, love I, some topwater fishing. Man, I'm right. Too, listen, so that would be. Listen, Lake Murray is one <laughs> of the one of the biggest lakes here. It's right uh, just a few miles up from me, and of course, I got you. Right <laughs> we're good okay <laughs> it's it's a date it's, yes, it when, when i got the ticket from brother i'll, I'll make it a date <laughs> we'll get out i got you man Nothing snap to a couple it. up because yeah I, I love it too it's it's amazing you know isn't it it's like it's that peaceful part of your mind i used to love like float fishing especially for species that you know there was something about that really calming thing of uh, right right indeed. Know, like just so, watching the float and you're not doing anything else but that and i think that that's a, a, you know, a great thing for your brain, yep. you know, in this, like said, this hyper, hyper world where it's coming at you so fast, like to be able to just slow down enough to 
I'm just watching a float go past, man. Yes, sir. I did yes, sir. that time. I'll put it back again, and I'll watch it go past another ten times, and not not even get it down. But that doesn't matter because <laughs> I'm right there with it, there. you know. And I think that's kind of good training for music in a way too. Mm. Teaches you, teaches that part of your brain to not think about oh, what are other people going to think about what I'm playing? Do they, you know, not sort of analyzing everything in real time too much, just letting right. yourself be. That's something I've struggled with a lot in my life, and I'm getting a lot better at it. It's like when I'm playing, trying to just be there in that bubble of that moment as opposed to, you know, and that's why it made me think of the forecast because whenever I'm doing that, it's it's just, the, I'm just there, you know, and that's, that's a big, so you it's say a hard like, sort of peace of mind to get, you know, like a hard place to stay in, I think, because yes, it's so. always distractions and self-doubts pulling at you as a musician. And I'm sure you've experienced that in your own from playing. Like there's always that doubt in the back of your mind, or am I doing this right or am I good enough or are people making it and i think it's it's really unhealthy to focus on that crap too much you know like to get it out of your head because you can't be you while you're thinking all those things about other people and what they're about what you're doing so you know creatively i think it's a great headspace to try and cultivate you know just being right right there in you no noise no static but joyous when it happens of course, and yeah. you being the musician that you are, you know, doing all the things that you do, I know your mind is so full of, you know, and I, I just yeah. think it's amazing musicians that play multiple instruments. I think it's just a, a, a totally amazing thing because you guys have a different perspective of things and all the things that you're hearing. Me as a lyricist and a writer, you know, as a writer, I know what I hear and I do hear music in my head all the time and I'm super visual. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's it's like, I always tell people it's, it's it's less of being in the moment. You are the moment at that time. You are the moment right mm. there. Everything is coming through you. And so if anybody else comes into that, yep. they're a part of your moment. They're a part of what you are and what yep. you're doing at that time. So, you know, just the uh, ultimate respect for it, man, indeed, man. And uh, and as we mm. go through, you know, you're definitely talented dude. So let's 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 dive into your genesis. Were your parents musicians? And if so, what were they enjoying during yep. your youth? Okay. Well, uh, it goes goes way back. Apparently, my my dad was he's really competent, you know, guitarist. Like knew all these jazz chords. He plays a great ukulele and stuff as well. He's like you know, eighty so. Now he's still got his uke, so he's still still playing. He's just bought himself a new one. But he would he had a dance band, apparently, like way back in the Hunter Valley, which um, is the regional part just west of where we are. About and you know, and they'd be playing all those. Uh, classic, you know, you, you know, the progressive dance sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Play, you'd play a foxtrot, you'd play a, a this and a waltz. So, yeah, apparently he had a really successful um, little combo up there and um, did that for a few years while he was also an electrician. My dad was, like, running um, gangs for – they were building all the power stations around New South. He was one of the senior guys, like, running the teams on that to construct them all. So he's also a really – brilliant electrical engineer so he's you know he's got a, a a lot going on there as well but yeah so that was that was like the start of it so dad was obviously got the the music stuff going and he um when i was younger and they figured out oh i can sing you know so they just bought me an old church piano that was like they just got it for a hundred bucks and it was like you know all writing and the keys sort of you know i mean it was enough to play on and start practicing on and they my dad was I remember into they were into country music 
So some of my earliest memories of music is like, and that's cool, man, because I still relate to those those tunes and I, I relate to those stories like, you know, the one about the, the apocryphal one about Ali Parker, you know, they go out to the car during the set break and there's tears running down his face because he's listening to country tune and it's like breaking his heart. You, you know what I mean? Like, yes. so there's some of those old tunes, man, like still kind of embedded in my, in my head and my soul and my psyche. And they actually come out a bit in some of my rock stuff every now and then, especially when I'm playing, like trying to teach myself still to play the guitar. Uh, I put it that way, but you know, I'm always like sort of mucking around on it, but that country stuff has really kind of embedded, you know, like, just come on home to your blue Kentucky girl and all those old, uh, all up, all every like classic song that you can think of, you know, like six days on the road and I'm going to make it home tonight. You know, those things like just got so deeply awesome. embedded and I love them. I still love them, man. I still yeah. like, I love, as you can probably tell from my uh, like wide range of stuff that I've experimented with doing musically and still do. Like I, I, I really think of like genres of music that, I don't like or appreciate or you know there's always something from death grips whatever that i just listen to it and i go oh wow okay i'm really digging on that or, or tech or you know really heavy stuff way out at the end of the noise yeah. spectrums and and what's experimental stuff and I, I love all that always have you know and um you know but uh <laughs> to, to me it's just like yeah i just love the idea of experimenting with all of that stuff and when it comes back out i think like we're talking this country stuff it's really interesting because you know what you were saying about before it's like coming out of you but it's kind of refraction it's like 30 years of that stuff bubbling away inside of you and then your kind of impression of it or feeling is coming out in some new way oh i'm writing a chord progression that's reminiscent of this and reminds me of that yes. sort of subconsciously and that's how it's coming out but yes yeah, so a lot of country i used to do like I've got vague memories of uh, my mum dressing me up in like cowboy boots and hat. We'd go and <laughs> sing talent quests with dad. You know what I mean? We'd sing old Shep and all these sort of crazy old songs. Um, so stuff like that. And, um, and then I, I remember there was this, like, it took a while, like for me to sort of find um, where I'm at now and all these things. Like I, cause I wasn't really, dad didn't have like a huge record collection. Mm -hmm but he had a lovely stereo. And um, so I remember going through the records he had. There was like um, the Beatles. Uh, there was a couple of Beatles albums he had. What was the, the Bang Bang, Maxwell, Silverhammer, you know, Let It Be. Uh, and I think he had a Best of Beatles. And there was some other stuff like uh, Hooked on Classics, Hooked on Swing, and this one Jerry Reed album. I rem remember Jerry. when you're hot, you're hot. I used to listen to Amos Moses off that like, uh, incessantly, you know, that old, now Amos Moses was a Cajun. He lived by himself in a swamp. Alligator for a living. He just knock him in the head with a stomp. <laughs> Louisiana law's going to get you, Amos. Illegal hunting alligator down in the swamp, boy. <laughs> Man, every line. I, I still love that song to death. But um, yeah, so I, I started going through his record collections, and then um, I, you know, I at just because I was playing piano and singing, I got right into all the old, you know. You know, the Billy Charles. Yes. Don't go changing. Ooh. I used to do a gag where I sit on that forever. I go, don't go changing. Don't go changing. Don't go changing. <laughs> I do mean things like that sometimes uh, to well, amuse myself uh, to audiences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, let me tell you how beautiful all of this is. First of all, the fact that you're talking about country music and so many people always say that. I don't like country music. And I always look at them like, what do you mean? I can't oh, even understand it. You don't it. get it. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. I you was don't just get like, it, man. Music is great either. if it's great. It's great. Yeah. And so you have spoken so and, much about yeah. the things. Like I always say, it's it's great when I know I have certain questions, and then just to hear you just run through them, and I didn't even have to ask the questions, and you just just went. And listen, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I love it every single time because it just lets me know how well <laughs> it, it's flowing and doing its thing. So I'll, I'll still touch on it, but I'll have to go into it as deep because you just answered so much so beautifully. So you grew up doing what <laughs> Thanks, you were man. doing. But and I, 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 see, I see that you were influenced by your dad and the music that was playing in the house. So, yeah, definitely. So, you know. When you were a teen. He taught me to sing harmonies and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. Like we were singing. We did a couple of when I was, you know, I must have only been in primary school or something, you know, like year mm -hmm. five or six or whatever it was. And then it, we didn't do much of it after that because I'd sort of got older and I was being self-conscious and wanting to do my other stuff. Like I got right into the piano man type of thing. So I learned like a whole bunch of Billy Joel songs, you know, like. <laughs> you know, what's that? Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. All that sort of stuff, like really got into my head, some Elton John tunes as well. Yes. But mainly Billy Joel because he had that, I think that caught my ear because that was the start, I think, of my wanting to, I didn't understand what was going on in a lot of those songs, like harmonic at the time, but I knew that it was a bit more sophisticated, you know, and that, you know, when you hear those... Oh, those little little resolutions and the and the chords and the the actual qualities of the chords. Oh, using a minor seven, major nines. You know what I mean? Like these extensions. And like I said, I had no idea at that until many years later when I went to my first uni degree and had my head blown off with like harmony classes. And wow. it that for me, I think, was the start. You know, the inflection point of starting. Oh, there's this sophisticated stuff out there. Right. And. I'm going to try and learn these songs. And, you know, again, I was sort of, I'm being, I'm a very autistic and recently um, diagnosed uh, adult ADHD person. So this mm. kind of makes a lot of sense. Like people, one of my best is a story about me just to illustrate the point. Um, he, I was living with him at the time and he, he told me this, that one day Daryl bought a bass. He went into a room and he came out a day later and he, he could play bass, you know, couldn't play bass before he went in there. And I literally went in there and learned Teen Town like for 20 hours just that was the first thing i really wanted to learn transcribed wow. it and and just nailed it very slowly but you know that 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 whole idea of just like i was at the time doing that with these things like very autistically just oh i'm gonna grab this song and i'm going to learn it i might not understand it but mm -hmm. i've got the chords correct under my hands right. i'm at least making those uh sounds and then and then came the fateful day. I think Dad had these beautiful big. I remember this so clearly in my mind. I must have been in just starting high school or late primary school. He had these beautiful speakers. Like he was a nut for all this sort of. Like he he'd always save up and buy the best. He had these beautiful big ass Bose speakers, man, big square. And he used to every weekend. He his favorite thing was he'd love to crank. There was this station called Two FM, which was it's still here. It's like a big wide, you know, those big wide stereo sounding channels where they mm -hmm. put the stereo widener on and everything sounds like miles wide. Right. And this one day, Dagan track, you know, it's like my, he's my kind of guru, dude, writer, whatever. And it was the first time in my life I ever heard IGY, you know, what a beautiful world this will be. War is time to be free. It was just like, oh my God what the hell is going on there? And that led me, once I hit that, that just smashed me down the Steely Dan road and I was I was kind of on 
you know, hooked on those guys, like everything that they ever did together. And Fagan's solos just adore what they've done and he's doing, you know, but that was, that was really the, the point. I think it went from Joel and then suddenly that, but like, you know, what we were talking about before with the country, like love those tunes. I could literally, I could quite literally get a set of my fave country tunes right now mm-hmm. and play them and have such a joyous time on a gig, you know, go and play 40 minutes of my, my favorites because they're just, you know, you were getting at it before, like they're great songs. Great yes, songs sir. are great songs. And it doesn't matter what, <laughs> what genre or whatever, like some of my favorite songs are the, they're, they're just that, that idea of the song being like, you know, that idea of process where everything is matching everything, the music and the, the lyrics, the, the, the melody. Yeah. It's just, it's even more than harmonious. It's like lifting each other up. You know, like you think, I tell my songwriting students about this idea. It's like I use the simplest idea I can think of for prosodic is like, wake me up before you go, go. You know what I mean? Like little things like that. And they just, you think, oh, subconsciously, oh, yeah, it couldn't be anything else. But the dual effect of those prosodic kind of things, I think, you know, know, Rufus Rufus Wainwright does that stuff beautifully. Rufus Wainwright Jr., you know, that um, set one he stole off. Just that one piece, it's just he stole that bass line from uh, the Carmen from Bizet, I think. My, my, my phone's on vibrate for you. There's nothing. Da, 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 da. I tried to dance Britney Spears. But, oh, anyway, if, you, if 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 no one's ever heard that song, like that's a real, I go back to there's a few things I go back and listen to every so often just because they send shivers up my spine. And hearing Rufus Wainwright Jr. sing Vibrate. Which is uh, there's this live recording of him doing it, and it's, it literally I sit there and tingle all over when he and there's songs like there's a few songs like that in my right. life, but yeah, one listening if you haven't heard um, "Vibrate" by Rufus Wainwright Jr., it's just it's something else, <laughs> you know, just so stripped back, just him with this raw emotion and and he's actually there's a he's actually inspired me. I'm working on my own version of the left uh, thing, but of course, being me, it's. All odd times, you know, odd time stuff, which I, I absolutely adore. But that's a whole other story for a bit later in the chat, I imagine. Okay. Sorry, I'm just rambling here. No, so much fun right. talking about this and stuff listen, with you, man. It's great. Ramble, you know, ramble, when you get the chance to rap like, <laughs> rap like this stuff. Ramble on because, listen, you gave me, <laughs> as you talk about the tingles and the chills and the goosebumps, and I'm going to get to it where I talk about it later, which is the IGY. We'll get to that later on because when oh. you hit me with that, let me tell you something. I don't even want to talk about it now because I want to wait for it then because amazing, amazing, amazing. You almost, listen, I almost started singing, standing, to Eddie. I didn't want to start singing yet because yeah. anyway, rotation, rotation, rotation. Let me say, Donald Fagan, rotation. Steely Dan, rotation. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. what, were yeah. you, what were you playing as a teen? Were you still playing the same things as a teen or did you move to other stuff you know as, as teens we start listening to certain things yeah yeah i i was a real late bloomer in regards to so much of that stuff mm-hmm. or uh, i do remember like at the time like i wish i'd listened to a whole lot more rock music and mm-hmm. i'd listened to a little bit of led zip but i i did um i had this thing for acd um a couple of acdc songs and the album back in black i pretty That's much it. i reckon i wore my copy of that out because after a while it wouldn't play, man. But like there was something about songs like Back in Black, Jailbreak, that 
you know, and that's what's prompted me, you know, we'll probably talk a bit about my rock music and stuff, but I reckon that's a huge part of what inspired me to want to make that. There's a particular to me Australian rock sound that they, you know, they, it's sure it's an international kind of presence that they've got, but I always thought of that dry, crunchy Australian rock, and especially with that kind of, like Bon Scott, the, you know, the original singer had that kind of almost Australian thing, but the accent as well, so it had that, you know, a little bit of that quality too but you know like there's a huge history and even though they're sort of not there as much in the gig opportunities of pub rock kind of gigs and that was always that that sound was so attractive to me and then I started hearing other stuff on the radio I guess around that time like mm-hmm. I got kind of into new wave bands like uh Devo yes. um and all that you know all that sort of stuff that was coming out with the synthy stuff like and not yeah. like fully into them but appreciating the sound and the development and where maybe they'd come from because, you know, I'm hearing Blondie, but I'm, I'm sort of hearing a bit of stuff going from that. And eventually, like, you know, when you discover stuff like Krautrock, you know, you can see, oh, the Krautrock's a direct line to like Radiohead, right. you know, to the whole new wave thing, man. It's yes. like those guys like New and you know, Kraftwerk and stuff, like yes. really that, that beautiful. I'm sure you've seen that, that it's on YouTube under the influence Um Krautrock under the influence. It's a great documentary if you, if no one's seen it. I, I haven't it really seen that. I, think I have to see that. I haven't seen it. I know the music well. It's only like a forty-five minute thing, yeah. but it's just so jam-packed with like really interesting kind of correlations between like what was happening in the scene and and to me, it like watching that documentary, it just it locked in kind of subconscious connections that I'd made with like those bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, oh, of course, you know that where this like Duran Duran and all, all these Blondie and all these other bands, like they really drew so much. And then they did the thing that you're supposed to do as an artist. It's like refract it through your own right. personal. And that's sort of what you were getting at before. It's like, you're coming in through my moment. Well, it's mm-hmm. the same with an idea. I think that idea. And that kind of a phrase I use a lot when I'm teaching is like, it's refracted through the prism of you mm-hmm. and your composite experiences and everything to that date, your knowledge, your whatever. So wherever you are at that moment, yes, that idea refracting through you musically, lyrically, it. whatever, you know, yes, is that's the thing, isn't it? You know, yes, indeed, I, I love it, man. You listen, you just talking about so much good stuff. That's just the stuff that I grew up grew up on. That's my my teenage years, uh, man. All of that, man. Yeah, yeah. You talk about Blondie and Kraftwerk and all, man. Oh my goodness, I mean, it was it, you know just yeah. just to- totally amazing. So let me ask this question: When you you spoke about yeah. it a little bit earlier. When did they know or when did you know you could actually sing? Um, I, I don't remember them telling me this, but I, I can tell you a story about our daughter, Grace, that um, very, very, very young, this must have been like, I don't know, three, two, three or whatever, she would sing herself to sleep and then it wasn't long before we noticed that she's singing along in perfect whatever and I think that was maybe an analogous story to what happened with me as a youngster it's like oh he's he sounds a bit dad was musical maybe we'll is a little bit along he likes to sing so dad taught me to sort of he was the one that sort of started to um teach uh how to pick harmonies and stuff like that and then I went on to work um before I left last couple of years I lived on the central coast there which is just uh, north of Sydney mm-hmm. and moved to Sydney but I've worked um, I'm, uh, I've recently discovered that I'm actually, it was kind of funny in hindsight, but, um, I've got, uh, ancestry in New Zealand 
that goes back so uh to to a, a Maori connection like up in the north of of um, the North Island mm-hmm. so I'm sort of exploring that as well so it was funny that like my my working experience predominantly from for about three years after leaving school was with Maori bands mm-hmm. these like John and Paul Parkey uh Charlie Morgan and um Ali Hikaroa like on bass look these guys were just really good musicians great singers but it was all like three-part harmony stuff which was so good you know what I mean? Like being forced to not just play like, you know, especially with Ali and Charlie, we would do a, quite, some of those sophisticated things and he could nail them too, like um, Quincy Jones, you know. Um, what's that? Um, um, the Hundred Ways. Oh, and, uh, you know, oh, she man. used to be Jane everything Abram. to me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, when she man. was my girl. <laughs> you know, so it, it was like all these great songs and, and singing them with those guys. So that – you know, I, just talking with, it's funny, like there's so many elements and aspects of my life that I, you know, without <laughs> bringing them up like this, like talking about them, I don't really think about a lot. But when I think about to uh, how important that was for me working with those guys, like just being a regular working musician, like doing two or three gigs a week, but also like, you know, especially with like Ali and Charlie, they were really quite sophisticated in some of the repertoire that they chose. We weren't just doing pop songs. Like he was just doing soul and R&B and groove stuff, you know, like that was a little bit out of the, you know. This was a guy who could play like Mark was solo, like um, Sultans of Swing, as good as or better than Mark. Oh, Lewis. my no, God. No, Come on, man. Wait a minute. Hold, like hold on, hold on. Hold on now. What did yeah. you just say? He could do what? I'm t- play what? Man, uh, Ali, Ali Morgan, what? anyone <laughs> – Anyone who's watching this, like, and who has ever seen Ali Morgan, like, play guitarist and, and singer, this guy was, he was a freak back in the day. I remember he was doing stuff that no one else was doing in terms of, like, he had this little drum machine, right? Mm-hmm. So he would handwrite and program all these perfect, like, things. Like, and it was conceptually impossible for me to think of even doing it at the time, like, what he was doing, like, but it was so intricate. So he would take a song. He would program the entirety of it in little patches like that, mm-hmm. save it, and he had a tape machine. Like, this is how primitive back the day it was, right? So he had a tape machine. Like, you'd, you'd load your old Commodore 64s. Yes. And he would load the song onto it from the tape. So he'd have all the songs that he wanted to play in order on the set. So he'd just load up the next wow. done. You know, and they were perfect. But, you know, we're talking about that Sultans of Swing and all that stuff, and he had just the most righteous tone yeah. you know these old ibanez tube screamers i remember that he had and he just, it was phenomenal man and he could play anything note for note and not just play it you know we we're talking about being in the moment like uh-huh. he was really feeling it when he played it and that's why i say as good as you know maybe not better than but it, it was like if you're in the room with those cats and so that's that's what i mean they really infused a lot of stuff in playing the r&b and the groove stuff that we mm-hmm. did with ali and Ch- specifically after moving away from John and Paul in the kind of pop stuff we were doing right in all the clubs was really again for me I think development wise because it let me go oh okay this is moving up and that got me even hungrier and that's about the time I left um, the central coast and it was just like I think the phrase I used at the time was like I'm going stale Mm -hmm. Uh, I said to my mum I just don't feel like uh, I'm I'm music ale I'm creatively stale I, I really feel like I need sustained something more and um, went in green as grass and auditioned and I got accepted into the early version of the it was the jazz diploma course mm-hmm. it was a two-year course at the Sydney Conservatorium right um, uh, it was like with within the music department there 
And it was just a small course and running, started by a famous uh, Australian uh, jazz musician named Don Burroughs many, mm-hmm. many, many, many years ago. He sort of initiated it. It's still running today. It's a fantastic course. Mm-hmm. I went back and did a bachelor in the same course as a mature age student in like 2010. And right. um, it, it was still amazing. But the first time around, man, like I, we were so blessed. Like we had some of the absolute greatest like musical minds there. And so for someone that was green as grass, I'd never even, I didn't really even know what modes were, man. You know, <laughs> I still got this distinct memory. Like one of my, he's an absolute genius, this guy. And um, there's a documentary on him on YouTube as well. It's Roger Frampton. And mm-hmm. anyone that ever, that I ever encounter, like my fellow ex-student stuff, anyone who's ever been exposed to this guy, you mention his name and you sit down and you have a rap. For like it's just it just starts and everyone's got so many stories about this guy. He would pass and do stuff like um he would play like just for a joke, he would play like play like um I can't even do it how he did it, but he would play like um things like honeysuckle rose in two different keys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he'd be playing like a <laughs> you know, it's like ah. Charles Ives level stuff, but yeah, he was just an incredible mind, um, and he taught us all so much. Like we only ever had him for this one series of classes called Impro Two, in like Sector, and everyone who took that class had their mind blown. I still remember. I, I didn't even know what a mode was, right? So this is a fun memory for me because he didn't do it in a nasty way, but he was just he was so intellectual and stuff. I don't think he thought about the way sometimes that he taught and he, you know, he, we were cool, but I remember we were doing the in mode. That was the, 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 the mode of the day. So he, he grabs the mic off me cause I've never, I you know, never heard it. Who's ever sung a sharp four. If you, you know what I mean? Like, da do do. I can do it now. But I remember him, I, I was just having trouble. Everyone's like trying to sing and solo and stuff. And I've never done this stuff before. And he's me. Didn't even have any other vocalists or even a vocal teacher. I had an operatic teacher. Um, for the first year because they they weren't prepared for me. They hadn't had vocalists for years. They didn't have any after. They've got a couple now, but, you know, right. it's like, you know, vocalists are always a bit of a secondary thought, unfortunately, in those sort of things. Oh, vocalist, not musician. No, <laughs> musician. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, so I remember hanging over me and I couldn't do it and he snatches the mic off me and he leans over me and goes, da do do da da Da, you know, just slamming the sharp four, like da do do da, like in my face, you know. So that was a, that was a lesson, and I could sing the Lydian mode after that. I suppose it was all good, <laughs> you know. But like that guy, that guy, man, he just, yeah. I everyone I know just still speaks about him in like such reverential tones. He he taught so many of us so much in such a short amount of time, and um, you know. The, People there too, amazing people like a bassist, Craig Scott, uh, who ran the program for a number of years. He was wonderful. And um, Jude, Dame Judy Bailey, man. Um, there's, a, there's a great, uh, we did a, we started what's called the Newcastle Improvised Music Association right here, my wife and I in our house, as Capri Gall. Okay. And um, we all banged our heads together and said, there's no jazz in Newcastle. We started this like 10 years ago and it's been going strong in town ever since. Like it's amazing. Mm. It's even uh, got an extra jam yeah we did those we started that thing here and we were just having these most we had like six house concerts. if you have a look on um i think it's called an intimate afternoon with um i put up six clips of these concerts and there's one of them um of dame judy bailey playing you know my rabbit i mean she's the one that taught me about so many things she used to come into our i had her like and, and they 
never get that's the shame with university lessons you never get this anymore like they chopped all the private tuition but back in the day right there was this thing called second study so you could have a second study for two years i had judy bailey for two years half an hour a week for like mm-hmm. 10 lessons a semester it's like unheard of you'd, you'd never get that stuff but i go into every lesson with her right and the first lesson i remember she hello hello nice to meet you first thing she says in this little gravelly voice and she's this diminutive like she's <laughs> tiny and lovely lady and and she just goes the piano is an orchestra dig and then she just plays you know some huge you know chord for me and just looks at me and goes dig <laughs> and, you know so many of our lessons man i remember were just like this so she'd just be playing dig you know you know and all these chords for me like, you know dig you know that and that was the thing and then it's like if you have to i'd ask, ask the question which was most times like what the hell are you doing but yeah on that video of judy playing minds an intimate afternoon with um judy bailey and then the others should come up there's some great ones with um jay oh my god you know we could talk about him all day the australian guitarist you should check him out if you haven't like that guy he's actually just put out a, a transcription book with wayne krantz if you know Wayne, and, um, the amazing, another amazing American guitarist, but he collaborated on, he's so into uh, Wayne's music that he um, actually transcribed all his tunes and had Wayne check them and they put this book out. So that's worth checking out. But yeah, if you ever get a chance and James is into it, man, have a chat with James Bunner or something because he's, yeah, amazing dude. But yeah, Judy showed me all that, everything. So again, like with Rod, when it comes to the piano and stuff, like she just opened my world. Like so, she's a super important person to me. Uh, but you know, she showed me how to voice chords in a way that make make them sonorous. You know how what to not put in, not what to double, and those sort of things. And and it was like I remember the first day she showed me block voicings. You know, like that George Shearing stuff when you play. You know all that kind of gear, right. and it was just like such a rev. And it was like, oh, what? <laughs> Chord scales? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that. Yeah, man. But so, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Great teachers, you know, just yeah. shows you the power, I think, of, of great teachers and exposing, being exposed to great minds and, and people that are able to just switch a light on. Like, you know, I had one lesson with a guy named Paul McNamara, another great Australian pianist and composer, you know, and I learned so much. Like, you know, he said, oh, he was just showing me, oh, you know, on the altered scale, there's these major chords, right? Like, what? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so there's a year's homework, right? Checking out the, the sharp four and the sharp five major triads against the a dominant altered chord, for instance. Sorry, that's technical music stuff we're getting into yeah. there. Folks, uh, you know, just as an example of like one great lesson with one great teacher can just change somebody's life. And it right. certainly changed mine, I think, on multiple occasions. It's like that... A whole new road for you and i can name as we go through i'll probably name more of the teachers that you know done that sort of stuff for me as well but what's, yeah what's, i, I what's, love what's great awesome teachers. is that like so i'm, I'm thinking about a, a good friend uh who played on some of the stuck mojo stuff when i was with stuck mojo uh and he plays he's the uh piano tech for lionel richie right now His name is oh, eric wow. frampton yeah so eric frampton wow. is a piano dude and so yeah. It's like you guys should should be talking to each other because the technical stuff that you guys know, <laughs> and he's such an amazing, he's so amazing. 
I know I know so many amazing musicians. And I was going to ask you further down about your schooling, but you've already let it be known. Once again, you've answered so many questions. We're, we're just kind of even, it's just, a, it's just such a great thing right oh, it's now. It's just fun when you're just rapping about this stuff, hey, man. It's, it's, it's just love. It's so, fun to remember it, you know. Yeah, I'm being quiet because I'm listening because I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm there. I'm just like, wow. He's, he's speaking about this person. Well, you're bringing me joy this. by making me remember this stuff. <laughs> you're actually, you're, you're making me happy by um, making me remember it and, and talk about it. It was such joyous <laughs> and transformative experiences, like a lot of those things. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks oh, for come asking. Come on, man. It's, listen, it's, it's, nice it's, to re- it's, all... it's nice to remember good things, isn't it? You know, it's Once nice again, to remember the... Well, well, once again, it's just like you're so knowledgeable of music and, and just listening to your terminology. And now, so when I was listening to you doing my research and now having you live talk about it, I was just like, he really knows. I was like, he had to go to school. He had to. He he, he knows the, <laughs> yes. the you know the the different things. He knows this and that, and, and so it's just lovely to hear. But it really is. So I'm still going to school every day, man. I'm still going. To, I'm still looking awesome. every day. There's always awesome. a new corner to look around. Yes, as a new hole to dig or something to lift up and look under, isn't there? Yes, like, you know, yes, always. Yes, and like I, 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 I was telling, <laughs> I was telling the Sun Eden, and I say this a lot about Quincy Jones. I was watching something with Quincy Jones and Chuck D. I always tell this story, and and Quincy Jones was like, "Take ten of the artists that you love, take something from each of them, and when you take one thing from each of them, you'll have your own unique style that'll just be you." And I was just like, wow. So I know there are certain, and we probably already do it more than we even understand it, you know, and and grab things. So I was just like, man, I I always speak that because that was just so interesting to me. But man, you know, I love that. And so listening to your- So many of us do that, do that path, man. Like we, don't we, we, you, you know, I know I did. You, you imitate before you innovate, right? Right, right. So to have- in, in order to do something that sounds a bit like Stevie Wonder, you have to have sung yes. and, and learned to me, to my way of thinking, right, a right. lot of Stevie Wonder tunes. So you mm-hmm. get his inflection, you get his, you know, yes. his, op, you know, his timing and his phrasing, especially like the ends of his are always so neat and, you know, great R&B and soul singers all have that, the ends of their phrase. I'm always banging on my students, you know, like offsets, you know, where they, right. where they end. It's, it's as important as where you start, if not more so. You know, but guys like that, I think they really affected me a lot, you know, because I emulated, tried to, I guess, what you were talking about um, there. It's like, okay, well, Stevie, that sort of uh, erosion of life kind of erodes a bit of that away if you're lucky and you start to find a bit more of yourself underneath yes. the imitation. Right. Sense, you know, but you have to, I think there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, okay, I want to play get that dude like Buckethead or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll I'll learn to play like Buckethead, and then maybe I'll see where that takes me on my takes own. You. Right, right. It'd be fun to play like Buckethead, wouldn't it? <laughs> but, but, the, but the honest thing of it is that you're not gonna, we're not gonna be them, but we're gonna be whoever no. we are. So it's gonna sound different, but our sound different might be the most magnificent <laughs> thing that's ever been created. Yeah. So, you know, yes, we're influenced right. by these other people and stuff like that. So I, I embrace it. I tell people, I was like, you, okay, that's all love. I, you know, I love it. But it's just like with yeah, Eric Frampton, he's just so, he's just so talented on the keyboards and piano and just coming up like you. So was piano, piano was the first thing that you learned or, or was that the yes, first instrument? Yeah. Piano, yeah. piano and voice. So I studied, um, mm-hmm. I studied from quite a young 
age like classical piano mm -hmm. and classical voice. And they right. were both really good grounding. And yeah. I did I did go as far as to pass like almost the the, the highest you go is like eighth grade and then there's like a couple of others of that if you want to teach classical music. But mm -hmm. in the, the system we've got over here called AMEB, I think I did seventh grade piano and seventh grade um, classical voice, which was, gotcha. like I said, great grounding for learning to use your voice, learning to make sounds well and, mm -hmm. and it responsibly and carefully, like not built. It was so good for vocal health. It was all great. But uh, I stopped playing. I remember specifically when I switched from um, piano, it was like I must have been just about to leave school and my piano teacher, Philip Reese at the time, was saying, you're swinging bark. <laughs> you know, I said, what? And he said, you're swinging bark. And he said, not that that's a bad thing. Bark probably swung it too. We will never know. But right. you're swinging bark. <laughs> you know, but, you know, whatever it was I was playing, you yeah. know, some uh, current or, or whatever it is. So, um, and that was his cue. And then he started introducing me to, um, I'm trying to remember the first tune he ever introduced. Uh, um, um, it was like something called um, One for Ollie, the Oliver, Oliver E. Nelson, One for something or other. But he was like, Oliver E. Nelson was like a pretty well known kind of cocktail composer. He's a, he's and a Nelson, of course. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, of course he's talented. What am I saying? Um, but yeah, so he. Yeah, but the uh, one for one for Brucey. That's June. If you ever find that one, so one for Brucey was, I think, the first kind of legitimate jazz thing I had to learn because it's like Phil said, "Well, we're not doing bark anymore. You're playing this stuff." Right. And and that was kind of when I thought, "Okay, well, I'll go. I'll just officially start heading down that path." And I guess led me to the con um, eventually. But yeah, so piano, uh, classical voice, and then. Uh, yeah, like that evolution we were sort of talking about before as I got exposed to, oh, there's IGY, oh, there's, yes. you know, the wave or whatever. And so wanting to expand into those sort of areas, it was kind of good, you know, your consciousness that broadens, you're open to more things and, yeah, but piano and voice. And, that, and then I, I didn't pick up bass, uh, guitar, like that was quite a few years later mm -hmm. um, after I'd kind of been at uni the first time around and I just sort of had this sudden hankering to want to play bass. So I bought myself a student bass and that story I told you before, I literally went into this room and right. for some reason, I've always been such a mad Jaco Pastorius fan. Like I love that, that album word of mouth is like one of the most beautiful things ever mm -hmm. recorded. If, if people out there, if you haven't heard it, it's just incredible. It sounds amazing. And the compositions are, you know, three views of a secret with Toots Thielman on the, um, the chromatic harp. Just, oh, again, it's one of those things like you hear it gets you every time but you, you know like wanted to i wanted to play tin town i had this i'd had this album forever it was like it's one of my favorite other yako albums called live in new york um volume one and he's got this insane band he's like got kenwood denard um on drums he's got um hiram bullock just going nuts like on, on guitar and they do this version of teen town like at breakneck speed but it sounds more like he heavy rock kind of but and they get this like full-on heavy riff and hear them's going you know extend if you haven't heard that live in new york volume one version of teen town and that will explain a lot of why i That's suddenly true. wanted to learn teen town it's the first thing i ever picked up on bass which is Stupid crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting off with learning some scales and stuff, but like literally day after day, it was probably more, yeah, I could play after a day, but like after a week and a mate of mine helped me like transcribe it so I got it right. Mm -hmm. So he taught me Teen Town correctly. So after a week, I'm fumbling my way through Teen Town at a low temp a slow tempo, but it was like so rewarding because it's like, oh, 
I wanted to play that so bad. And that from that moment on, it was like, okay. I went on to um, spend a couple of years actually playing uh, bass for a well-known uh, blues guitarist. If you haven't checked him out, you'd love Ray Beetle, man. Mm-hmm. He'd be totally, totally fascinating chat for you if you've not checked him out. He's okay. like um, one of the most well, well-known Ray Beetle is, uh, and he's toured the States quite a few times, I think, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he's kind of well-known in the blues community over there. Would love to talk um, but to yeah, he'd be a, he'd be a brilliant um, chat. He's the most lovely guy on the planet. But like, yeah, I played, I was lucky enough to play uh, bass with his trio. We did a lot of cool like jazz uh, blues festival gigs. Mm-hmm. I remember at Threadbow and places like that outdoors. It was amazing. And um, yeah, great drummer we had at the time, Mike Iverson, who went on to play for Gautier. You know, that's somebody that I used to know. Yeah, he's a, lived in LA for a while. And, with those guys so yeah it was that tight trio it reminded me everyone used to uh, say it reminded them of the um that old wild hendrix trio with mitch mitchell and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that because yeah. we sort of modeled ourselves on that that <laughs> sound so that was that was a fun couple of years man and that really um let me get the blues thing that i always felt because like, i've always felt it's a part of my playing and i didn't mm-hmm. understand it so much like you know what i mean i've always heard it always felt it like those bluesy inflections and those that feeling but like actually playing the blues and some really great tunes for a couple of years um it really was i think a, a great thing for embedding songs and the music but the concept the you know the, the entire like you know of what blues is supposed to be it's not just right. like oh i'm not just playing a blues man i'm feeling a blues yeah, and yeah. Blues. i'm communicating the blues and i'm trying yes. to feel better about all these things that are bringing and have a laugh about it or whatever you know and yeah. um yeah that was that was a really again another important couple of years i think because a you know what you were getting at before is a different instrument so i'm mm-hmm. thinking differently mm-hmm. role and so when it comes to like oh when i've got to write bass lines now uh you know what i mean experience i think really helped like being able to do that um made you oh that's what this player would probably do right as opposed to like imagining what it would be as a keyboard player you know because you actually function so yeah different um, different kind of headspace it creates definitely amazing amazing so what when when we talk about bands what was the first band you were in and how many different bands have you been in (laughs) oh my god okay so there was like a (laughs) high school there was a high school band we won a band competition that was called like to be decided or something because we couldn't think of a name stupidly um uh so from from then on um it was mainly just that the main thing I did, like while I was studying, obviously lots of weddings, functions and stuff, you do all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm playing a lot of covers. But there was one band I was regularly in, and that was a Tower and Power uh, Earth, Wind and Fire cover band really? called Temple of Groove. So we played, yeah, man, and we did that for a good five, six years, and it was like a full band, proper arrangements. It kicked ass. Like, well, it was hip. You know, standing there with a band that can play the crap out of that is truly powerful experience man like oh there's so much soil in the ground you know <laughs> singing all those tunes oh, i love them so much i love i still love tower of power and earth wind and fire to yes. this day like again you know they're another couple of fave bands you know we could talk all day about music man yes, sir, there's so many could. great bands that we probably both love 100 <laughs> percent. so so but yeah you, so that was yeah, that's no, the main yeah, thing you know just that band you know was the main thing that sort of carried me through and other, otherwise um it's just been like getting together little groups at various times for whatever project was trying to do like Mm -hmm. you know when it came up to that rock stuff in 
the late 90s, 2000. Like I did it under a couple of names. Like it started out, my very, very first rock band of my own was called Nob. Oh. And uh, <laughs> NOB, and we we took that from the the Macquarie Dictionary um, uh, definition. One of them was is to take money, especially okay. after a performance. So it's an old <laughs> English kind of term. You knob you knob someone, you yes. you take the money. But that that was like a real. Um, there's some stuff of that on my. There's a playlist I made called Daz Rocks on Spotify. So if you look me up, um, Daryl Aberhart on Spotify, I think yes. on my profile there's a, a playlist there that says Daz Rocks, so you can hear some of that. Where that first started that was very if you've listened to some of those they're very punk pop uh very short and it was that whole ethos of punk really it's like because i couldn't really play guitar at that time same thing was bass i'd i'd bought a guitar and i'd had it sitting there and suddenly i, I want to rock so right. i just started writing these songs that you know that i that's what punk is really supposed to be mm-hmm. you pick up an instrument and you make the noise as best you can and right. that's the expression you know and it got a bit more refined and better over time but that's where I started one of those songs that went on after that, like like I got together just a studio group and we put it out under the Nari's and Fuse. So there's another 10 songs of that that I wrote while I was in Knob that that actually got recorded under that name. But they're all fun little things and you can start to hear my penchant for odd time signatures and stuff, which I, I just really love. And they flow out of me naturally, um, especially when I'm playing that stuff like it's a bit like I'm, I'm sure a lot of you uh, um, and yourself you may be familiar with like Soundgarden um, there's that great interview with Kim Thale and he was talking about how you know someone asked him about all those tunes like Spoon Man and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, and what were you thinking like time signature wise you know they're all odd things that they do in sevens right. and stuff and he said well we, ne- we never thought about it man we just we played the tune and then we right. sort of like we've got the riff and it was great and then we figured out after what we were wow. doing and it's a lot of the time like that for me like I'll a couple of the new rock tunes I'm working on, I sit down and go, what the hell? Oh, what? I'm doing a four against three figure here. I'm doing an 11, eight, but what the, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to go back over what I've just played. Right, that feels completely right. natural to me. It work, right, and it's yeah. like, it works because yeah. like, yeah, it, it just flows and, and you'll hear, I'll make sure I send you a copy of these when I finish them. But yeah, you know, a 10, eight here, 11, eight, seven, eight, six, four, six, you know, whatever it is. And it's, it's like, yeah, it, literally blows my mind in that same way that we were talking about Kim just then. It's like, oh, I, that just felt natural. Oh, yeah. but it's it's these things. So, yeah, man, those those guys, I think, you know, Get Off My Wave and those sort of songs, they had a big impact on me as well. Alice in Chains, Bones, oh, my God, I love that song. Yes. You know that one? I feel so alone, going to end up a big old pile of their bones. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Some say we're born to the grave. Oh, yeah. I can hear it now, man. It, that's one that does that to me. Though. Yes, those sir. Just... Yes, indeed. <laughs> <You know? man>. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, oh, listen. So absolutely I, I, love it. I'm up everywhere. You got me so wide open, man. So, the dream pool. I, I'm going to go into that one. So, what, 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 oh, what, yes. Tell, tell me about the dream pool. Because watching that video, man, I'm okay. telling you, I was just like, oh, they sound great. Yeah. <laughs> that was, um, it, it was the great regret of my life. Like, and it was so funny and fun leading up to it. Like the, we only ever got to do that one gig. And I'm so glad that there was a couple of clips survived of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like um, that guy that's on the guitar, Sam Lipman, he's like one of the musical, most musical genius people I've ever met. He's now like a film composer. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he played everything back there. And he was a bit like me, but even better. Like his musical mind is like, you know, mine's okay. There's some people you know, and this is like that. 
And he's like at University of Texas now. I think he's mm. like a senior lecturer in film scoring, uh, Sam. And um, but yeah, he 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 was a genius back then. He's like at ten times that now. And and it was just like he was a. I met him randomly. The, the the story was funny. There was a music paper called the Drum Media, and there was like a bands wanted section in the back, which was really really cool. You could meet random people, and there was a metal band. Um, that he was in with another two incredible Australian musicians, funnily enough, the Pike brothers, like Lawrence Pike and Richard Pike, who are mm-hmm. two, I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but they're worth um, you looking up if you're interested in like people doing eclectic stuff. Like they're, you know, they've they're been on sub pop and those sort of, you know, labels, okay. yeah. some of the stuff that Lawrence and Richard have done in later life. Like they're mm-hmm. really renowned in the art rock kind of music scene, both those guys. But yeah, so it was Richard, a young Richard Pike and a young Lawrence Pike and, and Sam Lippman and had this band called One Percent or something. And, you know, so I went and did a couple of rehearsals, never really went anywhere, but Sam and I just kind of clicked and, and had yeah. formed a friendship. And so we started, oh, let's have a jam one day. And so those songs, like the first one was like, every day's a big surprise. And, and those sort of things just sort of naturally came out of it. And then that primitive ecstasy was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. So we had a set of eight songs i wish i could find the rest of the clips somewhere but i, I think they're lost but at least i've, I've found a couple of phase but yeah so the dream that. pool was meant to was meant to be the start of something like my my hope was it's just going to be developing and we could have been like a, a you know a mr bungle or a primus and and found mm-hmm. a space in what was kind of happening at the time you know like yeah. it felt like it was possible yeah but it, it didn't but you know i remember I, we got we'd had like four or five rehearsals for that at john howell the drummer's um house and every time every time man we were getting shut down by the cops like we'd, we'd get like 20 minutes into it and, and the i mean you can hear that from the kind of music it was but we were just you know we were going for it but it was um it was a fun time and and i really I, again i think an important part of my journey it's like oh okay i can i i feel these things i can make this sound i want to make this sound I got it in my head have to you know have to actually try and get it out of here and bring it out uh, bring this energy and this sound out to here and i guess that's what i'm still trying to do um with my later rock tunes is is trying to emulate uh, a particular sound and a concept and an idea i've got in my head mm-hmm. and somehow make that happen yeah but that's that's really the dream pool story it was like you know a spontaneous thing oh great we'll get this together as you rehearse organize this one gig and then it was just like a you know, and about that time, the scene was, it was a weird time in Sydney because uh, the scene was kind of dying everywhere. Really? Um, Sydney's kind of a, become a very, except for a few pockets, it's like a city for bankers and <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really not a cultural city so much really? and they did all this stuff like, no, man, no. And it, it's, you know, that's why Melbourne's so cool. It's much more uh, like gig on every corner kind of situation. Yeah. But, you know, people were moving into, there was a famous pub like uh, called the Anando Hotel near where I used to live in Sydney. And, you know, all these rich boomers and whatever, they'd move in next door and suddenly, you know, yeah, you know there's a pub there that's got gigs on till midnight or whatever, but they, you know, end up the council and getting them shut down. And so there's all wow. this sort of garbage going on. Uh, you know, we're just such a, you know, Australians like, the, there's a famous quote from, I think it was Richard Cook, an Australian expat journalist, and he said, like, Australians love to think of themselves as so egalitarian, but they're just a nation of ultra-cop dobbers, really. You know, and there's a lot of truth in that, unfortunately. You know, that was, like, paraphrasing. But, like, this idea of, like, yeah, everyone's dobbing on everyone else and, and just, you know, looking in everyone else's business and, right. you know, and complaining about it. Like, and 
it's all too true at a fundamental level. Like everyone share that quote with it in that my friends, they go, oh, yeah. you know, even, even my, I was t- talking to my mother-in-law and we were sort of politically quite diametrically opposed the other night. And it was like, Oh, um, uh, even she got it. You know what I mean? She, you know, that, yeah, people can be a bit like that over here, but that, that was kind of, to me, a part of what was going on. It was like, everything was just getting shut down. Harborside Brasserie, great venue, but sold off, turned into apartments, the real alcohol. Everywhere we used to play or go see music was just getting sold out to, you know, corporations and Happens developers everywhere, and bro. stuff. Happens everywhere, bro. No, no, and they shut down the King's Cross, man. Like, King's Cross was such a vibrant part of it, and they brought in this lockout law garbage because, like, one dude got King hit one night and went into a coma or whatever, and that was their excuse to basically shut all the nightlife down put all these restrictions on, oh, well, you can't go into a club after midnight, so if you're not in there, you can't go. Wow. And they're still doing this crap, man. All the councils like around here, it's like such a nanny state. It's so disappointing. Like you'd think that they'd be making, you know, they, they say all the words about, oh, we want cultural this and that. Well, you've got to make that happen. You know, yes. you've got to take restrictions off. You know, I could tell you a million crappy stories like that, but I think that was a part of what was going on and it was really sad, you know, like yeah. it still saddens me. So many of those great venues that were just such a vibe to go and play at or see a band, and they're just not there. I mean, yeah, yeah you've probably got a million stories like that too. Yeah, no, and it's just no, like, oh. no doubt. And I just know that Sun Eden, it, when they were talking about Melbourne, they were just talking about how vibrant, as you were saying, they have such a vibrant scene there. They were like, yeah, everything there, you, you know, so many different kind of music, you know, you could hear mm. there, so many genres. And I was just like, yeah, I'm there, yeah. I'm just picturing it. But they were like, yeah, it's a great scene there. It's a fantastic, it's the best, I reckon, the best scene in Australia. Mm-hmm. You can literally go, oh, Monday night, I'll go out and see some R&B. Tuesday night, I'll go and see some reggae. Or Wednesday, yeah. I'll go blues show. You know what I mean? And and that'll be on every night. Somewhere is going to have something cool, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, like I said, it just feels like a, a city for Coke, Snort, and Merchant Bankers or something, you know what I mean, and, and rich people at the moment. And it has forever for me. I've never... I haven't <laughs> liked Sydney for the longest time. Uh-huh. It just feels like slick and soulless. And, and I'm not the only one who thinks that. Sorry, you know, people that think Sydney's great, but, you know, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> not, for, not for art, not for art and music and stuff, man. It just, it just isn't. It's dead. Hey, listen, it's you a dead, speak, soulless you place. And there's lots piece. of great people living in it. Yes. There's lots of great people and great musicians and artists living there and trying to make stuff bubble up all the time. But, you know, they're fighting against councils. They're fighting against neighbours. They're fighting against all this choking red tape. You know, my hat off to them for trying to do stuff. But, yes. yeah, it's it's a cold place, man. It's yeah. just not it's not welcoming to me, you know. Well, whenever, anytime, whenever anytime that you're playing or doing your thing, it's got to be good, though, man. That's all I know. <laughs> so, so, so when did you transition? from the rock to the R&B other stuff into the jazz stuff that you're doing right now that we're hearing now. So how was that oh, transition? I, I, when did you yeah. transition into that? Well, I mean, when I way back in 1990 when I first did the jazz diploma course, of course, I got deeply exposed to all of those. You know, you had to learn like a core repertoire of standards. So you'd be right. learning all your Jerome Kearns, like all that gorgeous Stuff and learning more like you are the promise kiss of springtime that makes a lonely winter seem long. You know, gorgeous, gorgeous tunes, sumptuous harmonies, beautifully, uh, beautiful melodic writing and voice leading and stuff. So that really embedded itself in me 
And for years subsequent, I'd play a lot of weddings and there's always like a, a dinner set. So I'd get to play, yeah. you know, have you met Miss Jones, you know, and all those gorgeous <laughs> standards. So a lot of that thing like, or where did that come from? And it's a bit like the country stuff that sort of bubbles up in some of my rocks. I think all yeah. of those stuff, all of that sophistication, all of those chord progressions and melodies um, were, you know, uh, just bubbling around. And I've written jazz-based stuff. Uh-huh. But, is, but like with that last release last year, like that was um, a couple of years like previous to that, you know, while going, but I just had this incredible week and it was like, I felt like I was listening to like, in a, like I tell people, it's like, I don't know if you're a Philip K. Dick fan, but the man in the high castle, you know, that story about this, this other universe and it's uh, an alternate universe of, right. of ours. Yeah. And I felt, I call this that, I call that little collection of songs, the jazz in the high castle, because for this week or four or five days or whatever it was, I felt like I was tuned into uh, the the Dickensian universe and I was hearing all those songs um, as almost pre-written things that I'm listening to on a radio. Mm-hmm. And they were just like literally flowing straight in my head, chords, words, abilities, everything. And I've had that experience before, but not so intensely and sustained. So those, I think there was a couple that didn't make the cut. So I think there was eventually like eight uh, tunes that I cut down to like uh, six, I think, that made mm-hmm. made the cut for the, the EP. And yeah, I think they're what you're getting at before. I think they're a distillation of the two times I was at the jazz course, like really immersed in thinking about that sort of stuff. Right. So it, it just sort of came came naturally. Oh, you know, and there's a real fun one on there. I'm sure you've heard that one. Um, a, a friend of mine, and another great musician and educator, David Thieke, um, saxophonist and composer and band leader. He, mm-hmm. I was writing these. I'm sharing them all in real time with my friends on Facebook. I'm saying. I'm sure I've ripped someone off when I've written this. Can can anyone tell me? And I ask the jazz crew, this, no, it just sounds like sounds like a standard that you don't know yet. I right. say, thank you. And then my friend Dave, he says, look, I got a challenge for you. Why don't you write me a song is composed entirely where the lyric is just famous jazz song right. titles. Yeah. Which was I love a puzzle. So that one's that one's on the inner. I love all the things you are. Make them shine, my angel eyes. It's true. Anyway, you can you guys can check that out later. But that that sort of stuff, I, I just love it. And the idea of like I've got a whole new, I've got another four new um, standards uh, that I've I've got the beds recorded. Haven't put the vocals and stuff on them yet and mixed and mastered. But yeah, I'm yeah. still doing and in love with the idea of. Oh, I'm just writing uh, a jazz standard that sounds like um, something, and I haven't ripped it. You know, as far as I can tell, and others I plan to, I haven't ripped anyone off. So, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, getting back to that idea we were talking about before of like you imitate, then you innovate, right? right. And something comes to you. So I feel like all of those beautiful things that I, I spent so much time and invested so much time loving and earning those harmonic motions, those melodic beautiful things from all those wonderful composers that yes. year, Rogers and Hearts, you know, like I've never, Frank Lesser, man, I've never been in love before. Now all at once it's you, it's you forevermore. Oh, anyway, every time, but this is wine. Oh, the bridge in that song. But this is wine that's all too strange and strong. I'm full of foolish song, but out my song must pour. So please, oh, oh yeah, man, gorgeous Frank Lesser songs. Love it. They're all gorgeous. I, lo- I love those um, Ribble and Magadison songs too, like Gone with the Wind and Masquerade is Over. Yeah, I got a deep, deep, deep love for the music from that era of the Golden Age of song. There's yes. something that's so perfect about yeah. everything. You know, we touched on the idea of prosody 
before. And I think a lot of those songs are just so deeply and naturally prosodic in the way that the lyric is couched and the melody inflects and imparts that information. You know, yes. my funny Valentine. Oh and even though they're sort goodness. of written for shows. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love, listen, so, I love um, music like that. And I'm going to tell you something. So listening to that part of you doing, I've been this. I've always done that. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm not trying. I have always done it, just a, a kind of thing that I've always enjoyed. And I'll always just, you know, uh, Chuck Town, Chuck Town, my favorite, come from Charleston, South Carolina. And I would just make up the, I, I'm a writer, but I would just kind of freestyle yeah. that kind of stuff. So when I'm listening to you and I'm telling you, that's when I came to that, I was just like, I just sat there and I was just like, this is amazing. And I said, I love this kind of music. <laughs> I love this. And it just made me feel good. And I was just like, Holy catastrophe. And so now as you're singing, I'm just like, just making them say, I've been this year and I, and I was just like, he might have to make a song for me just so I could try it out. So I, you know, he might have to play some music so I can see if I can do this because I do love it like that. I think it's amazing. I am a lover of music and all genres and, and just hearing you do that. And so when I say that you can uh, uh, rival those other guys, I mean that 100%. So, Thinking about the Bing Crosby's and the and the uh, Dean oh, Martin's yeah. and the Rat Pack and all those guys yeah. doing that and, and, yeah, and you know Sammy Davis Jr. I'm just the great like, crooners. Oh man, I'm like he's got it. I, I said he's got it, and I was like I'm loving it. And your voice inflections and how you're writing the music and you're in that pocket. I'm just like all of this is great. You know, I reckon so much of it too is like um, Carmen and Sarah, like uh-huh. Carmen McRae and Sarah. I, I reckon I channel Carmen a lot. subconsciously you know like some Uh of those old standards that he just murders like oh it's not murders (laughs) but slays you know like um um what's that guess who i saw today my dear i've never been so shocked before i had a blindly to the door didn't even see me passing through guess who i saw today guess who i saw today guess who i saw today i saw you you know like that and and sarah Vaughan. oh my god on um september clifford brown Uh you know that and that thing like she keeps working up to it and by the very last chorus she does that incredible cadence like uh these few precious days. Oh. <laughs> you know, Sarah, man. It, you, you talk about goosebumps, but Carmen and Carmen and Sarah, I think, have been a, a massive influence. You know, you, you, we mentioned that pack. But those right. those two ladies. I mean, I love Ella too, uh-huh. but I guess it's just the same for everyone. You've just got your, you've got your things that just ping your brain and yes, like indeed. something about Carmen McRae's tone and Sarah's tone and their control and the way that they inhabit a lyric is just yeah amazing to me like every time I hear them I every just, time I play someone like um Carmen's like uh that that when I give I saw today they go what I've never heard that tune before and they, I'm going to keep put it in my thing now you, you know what I mean it's like oh you hear us sing this little narrative mm-hmm. thing I don't know if you're familiar with that tune but my god like the power of her and, and Sarah and what they can do with a lyric and stuff in that content, I think is like just magic. Like what happens. Yeah. And I watched, no I watched this thing where Sarah Vaughn was on the Sammy Davis jr. Show. it popped up on my yeah. feed and I, and I looked at it and I've always heard her name and I probably heard different music by her, but he wanted her, uh, she wanted him to sing something with her, but she started singing and man, she grabbed me. And she held me, and I was just like, 
holy catastrophe. I was like, this woman mm. is amazing. And I was just like, yeah, this ethereal. is Sarah Vaughn, because it's kind of like me getting the the picture of her. So putting that voice yeah. with the with the, the person. So I was just like, oh man, this is this is totally amazing. And I'm telling mm. you, I love that kind of music. I can just get by myself yeah. and 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 just just go off by myself somewhere, getting my vehicle. I, yeah. I do it a lot and just drive <laughs> and listen to music that I really love. And I love stuff like that. And that's that's what I'm just telling you. Once again, bigging you up and letting you know you do it so well. And uh, I, I'm telling you, I really thanks, appreciate thanks it. So, much, man. so listen, we could talk about so much. And, and listen, yeah, there's so many, there's so many things I just went on beyond because I'm just like, nah, we're flowing. There's no need to even ask those questions because you already really answered them so much and so well. So what I want to do is awesome. I want to talk about yeah. these, like, like kind of your albums and the music that you had out. And, and so the first one I want to talk about, sure. and I wanted to wait until we got yep. to this so I could talk about this. So long time, long time denizens. So me, oh, that, yeah, I, that, that IGY stays in rotation and is one of my yeah. favorites with New Frontier also. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I smiled all the way through it. Fantastic. Because I was actually early in the morning and I was, I was coming home. I, I stepped out and I was coming home and I was listening to it. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, he's killing me. So when you, when you said it earlier, man, the chills that went through me. Because I'm, you know, standing tough under yeah. stars and stripes weekend. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, yo, I love that. And I have played it. And I thank my sister mm. who plays the saxophone. And, uh, you know, back in the day, she introduced me to that Donald Fagan and Nightfly album. And, you know, I was just, you know, mm. once again, mm. young. But, man, I played that. And, uh. and listen, that and New Frontier on that album, I like the whole album's great. But those two songs, I play those songs over and over and over again. I think they're amazing. So tell me about that. That you came and you put all that together. Yeah. Ah. Uh, well. I mean, just there's when you mentioned the Nightfly, I was just going to say there's like two albums that that really like the first those first time you hear them albums uh -huh. that just like change your life. One of them was the Nightfly. Like yes. just someone whacking the Nightfly on. Oh my god. Ooh. Oh my god. This is like everything I've ever wanted to hear. Yes. And the other one, like slightly different, Donny Hathaway Live. Oh. God, Great you know that voice. Donny Hathaway live man. That's just oh, his voice. Talking man. about the kid. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. Yeah. Oh, Donny Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, and I was dreaming of the past. Yes. But yeah, sorry. Getting back to Long Time Denizen. So um, yeah, it's it's actually it's still one of my favorite tunes. I think I ever wrote for a lot of reasons, like harmonically, melodically, and conceptually, most of all, because it's like an um, and, and actually, just I'll let you in on a little secret. Grace and I are planning kind of uh, a redux version of that, like a big like internet cat cut collab. So fingers crossed we're going to get that together on Long Time Denizens. Awesome. Uh, like a, a huge international cast of like my favorite musicians that are yes. hopefully going to, you know, do their little bits on it. But it was written awesome. as, like I know I do I, you know, I know Fagan kind of wrote it tongue in cheek uh, irony you know, a gentle kind of smiling irony about the naivety of thinking, you yes. know, oh, we're all going to have the spandex jack. You know, he's gently, right. yeah. um, you know, make to me, like, and I think that was his intention as from what I can tell talking to other songwriters too. Uh -huh. Like the idea is he's just ever so gently, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, you'll get your spandex, whatever. Right. But I, <laughs> I wrote that, I wrote that more in, in a kind of, an honest, open-eyed kind of naive response to that song. It's like, okay, well, we, 
the idea is we don't have our spandex jackets yet, brother, but maybe um, if we just hang in there and we all kind of get a bit more positive, I guess it's like one of the most positive lyrics I've ever written as well, you know. That, okay. This world's getting so cold, you can almost feel it wearing you down. Future perfect's yet to be found. Everybody's looking around saying, that's not right now, let's think it over. You know, and uh, it was written, you know, Donald laid it all out, everything you ever needed to hear about the geophysical year. He sang it loud and clear for you. Thoughtful dreamers all turn your face up to the sky while I sing I-G-Y. Maybe we'll chase the blues away. We'll be riding. And so on. You can listen to the song oh, online. But yeah, that's it. Uh, it the, the idea was that um, uh, writing a, a pure non-ironic response to an ironic song was kind of interesting to me. It's like I, I just wanted to write, okay, well, I'm going to take that song as face value as like what a beautiful world it would be. And it's like I'm sitting around here now, 2024, where's my fucking spandex jacket? Right. I haven't, haven't got it. But maybe, maybe. Just maybe if we all just kind of band together, you know, long-time denizens, you know, if we all band together and sort of make a more positive world and more positively, you know. And I think, you know, we were talking about prosody again, and I think there's a lot of elements that kind of – it's a very uplifting kind of progression to me. It feels like – it feels that in a way like oh, why that sort of futuristic, hopeful uh, kind of quality to it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really crossing my – the Redux version because I, I love that song so much and Grace loves it a lot. So we're yes. we're hoping that we're going to international cast of friends uh, do a version of that, which awesome. will be kick ass. I'll be stoked. No, no, it will be, man. I'm look, looking forward to hearing that, man. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, so stoked. You love that tune, man. Like, oh my goodness, you know. man. I'm telling you, when it, when it, here I am and I'm just getting home. It's like a few minutes before I'm getting home and I'm listening to it. So I'm listening to all the things you're saying and I'm just like, hey, he just said, he says, Jill. I said, wait a minute, IG. I was like, I'm there. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm loving this. And so when I pulled up in my driveway before I opened up the garage, I just sat there and I just let, listened to the rest oh, of it. Man. I was just like, this is amazing, man. I said, yes, indeed. I love it. I love it. I love it. I said, that oh, dog, thank you. That dog on Daryl's doing work right here. He's doing, he's doing work on this. Yeah, it was just, a, and it's only a demo just, just for an. And listening or it goes and listen to it. It's just like a reasonable quality demo. Yeah. I just had to put up at the time because I thought, well, if I don't, I won't record a version of it and it'll, it'll just sit in my head and I won't gotcha. get the sound out. So I just yeah. said, oh, I'll try it, you know, get it out as best I can. And I put a reasonable approximation of what I wanted to hear, mm -hmm. but I wanted the Steve Dan budget, man. I wanted the Gaslighting Abbey kind of album yes. uh, budget for Two Against Nature to make that song sound like I always think it needed to sound. Yes. So I'll be oh. very interested to see what the, the super the super group collab comes up with and how that ends up sounding. It's gonna it's so, gonna be amazing. There, there, there's no I doubt about so. it. So so <laughs> now I, I know we're getting closer to this, but but shake these blues away, bro. You got me yes. in like a, a a juke joint dancing and singing with this one, and it's just like it's blues. I mean, it's really just listening to all of it. I was just like. Once again, look, quick story. My brother-in-law, when I went to Mississippi in the early days, and my wife is from Mississippi, and Leland, Mississippi, as a matter of fact, and I remember her older brother, uh, a Junior, um, he took me around to some of these places within their town, and I hadn't been in there. You know, I'm a military kid, you know? And, and so my, my yeah, upbringing yeah, yeah. was totally different. So he's taking me to these different places, and people are playing music in these places, and I'm just looking around, and I'm just like, 
It's like the stuff you see on TV. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the music was just so good that they were playing inside these places. And I was like, wow, man. I said, this is what you guys do. It was a different culture for me, a whole different scene that I hadn't mm. been a part of, but it yeah. was amazing to me. So tell me about, you You know, t- tell me about this. Shake these blues away. Tell me about it. Oh, well, it. I think it, it, it was just like, you know, we were talking before about how I'd, I'd always sort of felt the blues was a part of my playing. Right. But I'd never really, until I worked with Ray, um, found a way to properly articulate and express that. Mm-hmm. And I think that album, you know, and I've got another blues EP of another four cool, even I think better original uh, blues tunes to, to finish and stuff uh, and get out this year, hopefully mm-hmm. as well. But it's like, to me, it was more that that album was just like exploring the idea of like, man, I love the blues. I don't want to play everyone else's blues because as you can probably sort of hear, I'm not writing for the most part like standard blues tunes. Mm-hmm. They're blues, um, they're blues-esque. Some of them, are, you know, it's your, of it's, your, it's your style, it's hours. your way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and but it's like very much, oh, it's, it's very much obviously I'd like to think and I, I guess you're picking up on that vibe. It's a blues album, you, you know, so the, the songs are all blues-inflected, influenced. Uh, they've got a huge part of that. So I think that album was really just the first step for me in codifying and going a bit like the jazz standards, like, oh, I can write my own original jazz standards. I can write my own original blues tunes that I like. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, they might be a little bit of other people's, but not, you know. Like, what's that? I've been coming for a long time again, then I never know, so I'll be playing. Oh, Lord, let me just be passing. You know, and then I'll put a little steely Dan change in. Ain't got no time to be feeling blue. Yeah, little tiny bit of it's, it's, it reminds me a bit of like a, a blues Fagan would do actually when right. I was writing it. Right, it's a nice little, a nice little jazz, little, little jazz twist on the on the turnaround oh. just for the hell of it. But it suits the suits the song. So yeah, that's that's essentially that album. Man, it's just yeah. like my first real decent crack at going. Can I write a collection of original blues bands instead of having to cover or play everyone yeah. else's? Maybe I can sort of find my voice a bit more. And I was. For a first attempt at doing that with original material, I was pretty happy with it. And I think I'm hoping as I get the, the opportunity to earn a bit more income, please, 2024, yeah. you know, I can start to get a bit more into the studio again and get some of these uh, things actually out there. Well, you, um, you, know, you, you did it. Yeah, I, I that's think you that's essentially the story of that album. I, I don't think there's too much no, more I, I can you, tell you about you, other you than it was just like trying to, you know. Yeah, you accomplished yeah. that most definitely, man. I, I, I love it. Yo, it's it's all love, man. You know, right, my, that. So you you right, Sal? I'm sorry, sorry about that. No, you good? Um, yeah, we just had, it just wasn't sure. Yeah. No, it's all, it's all right. They just I was checking. Didn't they meet? Yeah, we're, 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 we're they were just, just checking. They were just checking on me, making sure I hadn't. It's all good. They just checking on me, making sure I hadn't passed out. I think. <laughs> That's, See, that, that's, that's what happens when you're having a good chat, man. Time just like, hey, man, I'm not even what, looking at the what, clock. I'm just having a great time listen, chatting with you. 100%. This is this is great for me. It really is. And so let's talk about well, your music. You've got, you've, got to, you've got your editing job on your hands, though. I can tell you that. I mean, you no, no, no. All because, ramblings, you know, but listen, hopefully there's a lot of nice chunks I'm, in there for you. Am I going to make two parts? I like to let it run because I think people should hear it all. So, you know, whether I, yeah, yeah. I want a whole lot of okay. people, you know, just still building. I, I think it's worth it. Everybody that I have on my show, I think that they are worth every single second that, and I know how it is now in in today's thing, the way people are, but, but I believe anybody I have on here, I'm a fan of them. I I support them and I want 
I think other people should too, because I think the music is great. I think what you're doing is great. I think your vocals are great. I think you have everything so in tune with each other, man. It's a beautiful thing. So, uh, oh, thank no you. worries, yeah. man. We, I'm going to do what I do. You know what I'm saying? And I always say, like, they'll, they'll finally come how they're supposed to come. That's just what it is. If you love yeah. music, you're going to love this. You know, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. So, well, there's definitely things. It's like, it, it sometimes is interesting to, get, like, you know, like you're saying, in this modern world, you don't get everything's just so attention's short. Yeah, microwave you know, age, yes, like little chunks. yes yeah, did. and and it's no one's like, there's no, you know, there's no chance to go deep, you know, or long. Yes, indeed, yeah, yes, indeed. But stuff. no, it's 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 except it's for all, right now, which is great. Listen, it's all love. That's what I say. I want you to say whatever you have to say, man. So it's it's beautiful. So things might be turning around. Each song yes. takes me to a vision of you performing in a casino in Vegas. I love it. The orchestration <laughs> is incredible. And your vocals are amazing. So talk to me about this album. Because I'm telling you, it's another great one. And, and seeing your, it, it's like steps, dream pool to the blues to this here. And it's just seeing you here, here, here. And it's just amazing that you're able to do all those things. So I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just excited <laughs> about it. So so tell me about this last yeah, that's cool. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, these were um these were just like that, that thing that I was saying, like the Jazz from the High Castle project. It was like they just one after the other. Yeah. Sometimes a couple of them came a day and it was just like, I've, I've very rarely written stuff so completely and so fast, but it was like, like I said, I'm like, I'm hearing them on a radio station from another universe and right. they're just fully formed bang there. So, and again, I think what I was saying before, that's the distillation of all those years of learning and loving and adoring those great standards that mm -hmm. came before. And it's just like my little takes on those and they've all kind of got little individual um influences and gags you know like things might be turning around the title track there's a famous jamie abersold play book that most young jazz musicians have at some point it's called two five seven ones so it's just like all two five one predictions in every key and it just keeps going around up, up in semitones you know little little patterns and, and chord progressions that just move chromatically through all 12 keys so it was called turnarounds cycles two five seven ones or something so that's kind of a reference to that thing like whole tune itself built on turn what are called turnarounds right mm -hmm. things might be turning round i got a funny feeling soon i'll be riding high so yeah so things might be turning around um i'll quickly walk you through the influence of the other one you mentioned bing crosby before mm -hmm. so between judy bailey i was telling about and her blog voicing stuff you know um the first part of that made me think of her when i was writing that you know I've cold winds blowing, might start snowing, but I think I'll be falling. And um, that was like um, Bing. You know, I was definitely thinking Bing and Duke yes. Ellington with that elegant, yes. you know, that kind of action. Um, the ballad on the um, EP, definitely, Johnny. It was two things again. Like a lot of things I do are two things. It's just a thing I do. It sort of makes the whole experience richer, I think, like conceptually. Uh -huh. So... This is Johnny Hartman, you know, that beautiful ballad baritone singer that sang with Coltrane, like, um, the very thought of you makes my heart sing like an angel breeze on the wings of... But Johnny Hartman, man, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, please might say it was a direct Johnny Hartman slash um, Coleman Hawkins, which was like Coleman Hawkins was that alto saxophonist who released that infamous and famous uh, version of body and soul back in the day that like set everyone else off like pre-parker where he didn't play the melody 
So he played what's like a contrafact, or he just basically was improvising his own melody and solo over the changes to the insult. You know, if I play it on my tunes, like, my heart is sad and lonely. For you, I sigh for you, dear only. So I take those changes, like, um, please won't you say that all alone now? Whiling the hours away on my own, so patiently will you say you will be mine. Yeah, so very much a, a Hartman thing, but also a kind of reference as well for the people in the know. It's like, oh, I'm doing what um, Doc Cat to Hawkins Parker did that with tunes like Bird of Paradise, where he'd improvise over stuff like that as well. So it was a, a thing that Coleman set in place. Um, oh, the, uh, the bossa nova, which is like pure Jobim, uh, you know, someday I know that you want me, I'll do everything I can. I'm your loving man. You know, trying to get all those lovely little yeah. tangential slides that show beams. A little bit of Cole Porter in there too, I think. Uh, but also referencing that another and it again, it's a twofer. So it's like, you know, that old um the is it the girl next door or the boy? How can I ignore that girl next door? I love her more than I can um so it was like kind of ripping a uh, riffing on that um narrative idea of the quote of the you know, the person next door, someday I know you want me, you know, the poor, <laughs> poor, it's like, yeah, yeah, you, you want me one day. I, I don't know it. I'll just keep hanging in there. Um, what else is, I've suddenly forgotten all the track listings on that one. Uh, the jazz song we talked about, I love all the things you are. Again, that's a Parker Blues for the A section changes. You know I want all of you. And then we made my own B section with some more two fives. Um, so yeah, they're all just they're all, de all definitely have two um tangible kind of input influences that I can trace back, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, like in my own mind, I know what uh what factor influenced that and what, you know, in hindsight, again, it's a bit like playing the guitar songs and figuring it out in reverse, right? You know, what the time signatures where I think I figured the influences a bit out in reverse, like once I sat back from them and Oh, of course, Judy told me those, and that sounds like Bing. It sounds a bit like Duke or whatever is playing. So, yeah, that that collection was really, I think, hopefully the first in. Like I said, I've got another nice selection of four tunes with a, another beautiful ballad. I think even nicer than the ballad on that one mm -hmm. um, that I've that I've got. But yeah, it's just I, I love writing them. I love sophistication, and I love trying to. You know, you were getting it before. You know that music. I, I just want to immerse myself in it and, and see if I can, you know, the, the dream, I guess, is to create something. I write a standard one day that becomes a standard. standard. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the real dream. Yeah. I write a, a new standard that becomes like, and it does happen from time to time, you know, that something just gets picked up and put in the repertoire, but we'll, we'll see. I'll just keep writing a man and see what happens. Hey, don't, and, um, don't you know, stop. speaking of jazz yeah. stuff, I don't, I don't even know. Cause it's not easy to find. It's not under my name. If you you might want to check this out later, but there's a there's an album like I don't know if you'd seen any of the avant garde and free jazz stuff I'd ever done because under the Daryl Aberhart trio I think on Spotify. Mm -hmm. So if you like things like if you like the idea of like Ornette Coleman um, with cross with Frank Zappa from tunes like uh, you know the Jazz Discharge Party Hats and the Dangerous Kitchen kind of stuff, <laughs> then you might like it's an album of stuff. Um, it's a concept album called I Don't Get Out Much. 
uh, with two amazing musicians, Tim Gelden's uh, drums, Thomas Wade on bass. And it's a, a concept we developed together on Freedom in Form. So all of the tunes have uh, a lyric and a form or whatever most of them do, and then no no harmonic context at all. So you're, you're playing completely just directionally, but you're holding on to the form if you're playing a standard. So it sounds like the most demented standards on the planet <laughs> because there's no chords and everyone's like freely improvising and all these dissonances and gotcha. congruences. But it's like one of my favorite things that I've ever done and not many people really uh, know about that. And I'm actually about to release a whole bunch more of that and right. a, a workshop and a presentation to encourage other people to play that way in a freestyle. So I'm, I'm a huge Ornette Coleman, like fanatic, especially those early albums. And he's influenced me a great deal, like in how I think about uh, music, improvisation and self-expression too. Well, all I know is that you are beyond talented as a musician, man. And, and I could just tell my feelings. You're one of the great human beings, young man. And and it, it's just it's just an amazing thing. I, I, I've enjoyed myself so much. And, and and listen, we have to do this again. And and, and you're welcome anytime Man, yeah. that you want to come and sure. just talk. If you just want to come and talk, whatever. If you want to come and teach a class, I don't care what it is, man. I I've, I've enjoyed this. I'm, I'm telling you, I've enjoyed this tremendously. Same, and, uh, I, same I, I, man. Thank I you love... so much for taking the time to have a chat. Oh, I'm man. really, you know, welcome the opportunity nah, nah, to, nah, nah. It's, to it's, talk it's... about stuff. Like I said, remembering it makes me. You can. Just smiling the whole time, talking about and remembering all these things and thinking about them. So thank you for that. You yeah, know? and I got to make sure I'm gonna I'm gonna hit Eric up. I'm gonna probably text him and say like, "Hey man, I don't know if you checked him out yet, but you got to check out this young man right here because he's he's amazing and he's <laughs> a piano dude just like you, my brother. Because he's he's really you know he's played with the B52s and all toured with all of them. He's, oh, he's wow. really yeah he's definitely one of those guys. Awesome. And his and his uh, father wow. actually plays on a he still plays on cruise ships and stuff like that, pianos and, and does stuff oh, okay. probably yeah, like yeah. what you're doing. So it's, it's, it, listen, I'm telling you, just it's, it's, it's amazing. So I want to get to the last question. I wanted to ask you another course, thing, yeah. but, but listen, we'll get so deep into it. it it's, I just want to, let me say this. Grace is amazing. I think that she's super talented and I know where she got it from. And, um, just once again, tell her I said, hello. And the door is open if she ever she wants will. to come to talk of about course. whatever for her also. Yeah. If, your, if your wife's into music, so your wife is a musician also? Um, yeah, well, she did play in, uh, she was the rhythm guitarist in that first rock band. You okay, know, so listen. She was definitely once uh, playing again, a, bit, a bit of punk guitar back then. Anytime, if they got yeah. anything to say, they want to come on, the door's wide open. We're family, you know, so it's all uh, love. Thanks, so, man. Yeah, well, no, I'll definitely, really. I'll definitely let you know when I've got some new music like done, and even just uh, come and have a quick chat with you. Hey, man, it doesn't listen. And, whatever you know, you're doing, go through the tracks or something. You know, whatever you're yeah. doing, if you want to just do, just come on and we'll do it. It's all love. It really is, one hundred percent. So, oh, awesome, my, man. My last question we'll is: What was the last song you listened to? Um, it was. Let me think. Uh, as Australian rock band. I was going through a phase last night. There's an incredible, like, uh, you know, just as a last kind of big, huge influence, like on my rock music, mm -hmm. there's an Australian rock band. They're not around anymore. They're called Pollyanna. And for me, like, there's an albums of their long player and songs of theirs, like, you, you, you know, any of the stuff uh, basically off their albums. And there's Keep Me Guessing. Like, uh, they're just incredible. I don't know. There's something about Pollyanna song. So, yeah, we were listening to Keep Me Guessing um, last night by Pollyanna. Gotcha. Uh, great, great melodic uh, 
songs. Yeah, be- just beautiful. No one quite like them, man. So yeah, yeah. Pollyanna, yeah. if you haven't checked out, they rock. I always like to ask that question for the very reason you just spoke about something you're passionate about and something you're listening to. And we as musicians, there's no telling what we're listening to because we love music. And so just like you bring it no, up. We'll, it's we'll like you somebody, say, it's different yeah. every day, isn't it, man? Yes, I mean, yes, I'm man, in a Fagan oh, mood or in a oh, this mood or whatever, you know. Man, <laughs> oh, man. It's just, listen, it's just all love. So the floor is yours. Is there anything that you'd like to tell the people, please, Speak your piece. Let it be known where they can check you out and, and all those good things. Talk to them. Oh, well, um, look, if, you, if you're interested, like, I'd love it if you want to check out, like, my Spotify. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. I've made some playlists, like, for the rock stuff I do. There's a Daz Jazz, a Daz Rocks, and I think a Daz Experimental uh, playlist I put there on my profile so you can sort of uh, check out all the – you know, genres and, and the things that I've explored, like the things that I've got on Spotify at the moment anyway. Um, I've also got like uh, on my Instagram, which, are, you, you know, where we've connected, there's a whole bunch of reels um, yes, from indeed. my history and also me playing favourite standards, originals, sure. and also um, that other album we didn't actually get to talk about, which was the, you know, John Schofield, the amazing American guitarist, let me be the only person in the world who's ever put lyrics to his music. So right. there's a an album I did of that, The Cat Within, I put out in 2006, which is like, I think it was like eight or ten tunes of John's that he let mm-hmm. me write lyrics to and they approved. So that was that's awesome. a cool one. That's definitely in the Daz Jazz um, album stuff. But yeah, so uh, you know, please, I'd, I'd love you to connect, to follow, and check out what I'm doing if you're into it. And uh, yeah, because I love making music for people, and I I love hearing like from people like yourself and others they're enjoying what I'm doing. So that's like for someone that feels like they're toiling away in relative obscurity most of oh, the time, yeah. like right. that. You know, it's a real rewarding thing even to just have like one person click on and say, "Man, I love it," or you know, whatever it is, just drop a comment or something if you're enjoying what I'm doing because it keeps me motivated. 100%. So yeah, that's, I'm, not, I'm not asking for much. I'm not even saying, "Hey, go buy my stuff." But if you've got, if you're, a, if you're a, a Rothschild multi-billionaire and you want to sponsor <laughs> someone, please, yeah, go buy my album for five million bucks, please. Hey, Patrons, if you, I'm gonna say it's worth it. You know, I'm gonna tell you yeah. right now. I believe it's worth it, man. Just, just really, you took me on a ride vocally and with the music and and just going through the different genres and. And, you know, where you are right now, just listening to it, I'm telling you, I was thoroughly, it, it was really, it was all my pleasure. I was, I was thoroughly excited about it. I was just like, man, and just listen to your voice. And then I'm telling you, you know, I'm no you or nothing like that, but come into my, and I just started doing it. I was just like, I love this stuff. I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows how much I love this kind of music. So, uh. Yeah, you might have to. You might have to. You know, give me one of those off ones that you have somewhere, and let me see if I can run it and, and, and put some vocals to it or whatever. Like <laughs> let me try. Yeah, let me try it. Let I'll, me try it. <laughs> I'll put the I'll put the thinking cap on. I'll, if there's one that comes up, that I think, yeah, I'll yeah, send it to yeah, you for indeed, sure. indeed, man, I love it, man. But no, <laughs> once again, thank you very, very much for a great time and a great thank conversation. You. I am grateful thankful and honored to have you on here no doubt man i really really oh, man. appreciate it and the same back at you for having me on so thank you so much hey, no doubt really appreciate it. you being interested in taking the time to want to talk about this stuff man. of course of course it's man. been it's fun and this is my kind of and thing i'll do it man. again for sure i'd love yes, to have indeed. another chat when i got some more stuff to, to play for you once again you guys just let me know any any of you guys want to come on and just like you uh said one of those other guys i can't remember the name you said it was but yeah i'd like to get oh, in touch um, with him yeah, and talk to ray, him. ray beetle the australian blues yes, guitarist man yes. he would be a great person he 
love to chat to you over. I'd love to talk He's to amazing. you also. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, listen. So once again, so ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you know who it is. It's the big guy with the big show. The Lord Nelson, that is, yes, indeed, for the podcast Live and Loud with the Lord on the CMS Network with Five Rose Entertainment. And this guy right here, this amazing guy right here, this amazing guy right here, Daryl Abraham. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you, Thanks so much for the chat, mate. That was awesome. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, I'll be turning around. I got a funny feeling. Soon I'll be riding high. Kissing my troubles all goodbye. I can't see how I know. Maybe it's intuition. Feels like the sun is gonna shine on me. Yeah, seems like I've been waiting for ages to ever get the chance to let everybody know what I can do. Maybe now it's time. Yeah, finally gonna get some fans. Man, I can taste it now. Something is surely coming. Just gotta wait it out. I know I'll be making it big somehow. Oh, yes, I do. Ha 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 